0: Hello! You're listening to The Way of Christ with Barnabas Smith. I'm your host, Barnabas Smith. Each week, uh, we're taking a look at a passage from the beginning of the Christian Bible known as the Gospels. Each Gospel tells the Jesus story from a slightly different perspective. And by looking at each one, we can get a more complete view of who Jesus was and what his teachings are all about. I uh, split up the Gospels into 52 pericopes to keep us on pace for a year-long overview. Uh, traditionally, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts as an, as an addition. Uh, I am doing them in the order that they were written. Uh, so it would have been the order that um, people would have heard them first. So we're starting in Mark, and then we'll do Matthew, then Luke, and Acts, because they're a two-volume set, and then we'll end with John. Uh, this week's pericope is Mark chapters 5 through 6. So let's get into it. This passage is full of miracles. Jesus is spending some time healing people, uh, casting out demons. He brings a young girl back from the dead. He feeds a large crowd of people with very little food, and he even walks on water. So what is the point of all these miracles? Uh, There are people, both then and now, that believe that the miracles performed to prove his divinity. Uh, But as we've seen so far, other than his title, Son of God, there hasn't been much talk of Jesus being divine. There's certainly something special about him, but there hasn't been a correlation to uh, divinity. And even with that title, son of God, Mark puts it more in a political context than anything else. We saw in the first episode, uh, how Jesus is painted as an anti-Caesar. And so Caesar is, you know, Caesar Augustus, son of God. Uh, But Jesus is, Given a similar structure, Jesus Christ, Son of God. And so this kind of puts the two at odds. Jesus is seen as being part of also a, a long line of Jewish prophets. Uh, In the Hebrew Bible, sometimes in churches called the Old Testament, uh, prophets act as spokespeople for God, more specifically, the God of the Jews, Yahweh. And along with various messages of rebuke and calls to justice, they would perform miracles. But these miracles were Yahweh's way of stepping into the situation and enacting justice when other people would not. Yahweh would take a hands-on approach through the prophets to course correct or to just drive home a point. And I want you to remember also Jesus' central message. He's calling people to rethink their relationship to God, their neighbors, and themselves. And these miracles he's performing, the main event and the main point is not the miracle itself. It's what's happening because of the miracle. And so some of these uh, you know, uh, are debated and you know, dissected, like, how do you feed 5,000 people with two loaves of fr- uh, bread and a couple fish? Or, you know, I don't really believe in demons, so I don't know if this is for me. Uh, or even, uh, did he really raise her from the dead, or was there something else going on? The specifics are besides the point, and you can go on and on and debate those. Um, but what Jesus is doing and what the tradition that he's following with these miracles are doing is they're driving home a point about who God is and his relationship to us and what he wants to do in the world. So we need to look at what's happening because of the miracle. So we're gonna take a look, look at the first one right at the beginning of chapter five, where Jesus casts out a demon. So if you're following along in the Bible, uh, an app or whatever, um, the, the section we're gonna look at is Mark chapter five, verses one through 20. Uh, this is a fairly well-known story if you spent any time in church. Uh, if not, then you come at this with fresh eyes, and I think that's the best way to come at it. So uh, we'll start with verse 1. So they came to the other side of the sea. This is Jesus and his disciples. They've, they've crossed the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as Jesus had got out of the boat, he met a man coming out of the tombs who was under the power of a foul spirit. Some translations say uh, a demonic spirit uh, who made his home in the tombs. Uh, you know, m- what we would consider modern psychology didn't exist, then wouldn't it exist for a thousand years or so. Uh, so demon possession or fell spirits would have been seen by us uh, possibly as mental health problems. And so just keep that in mind as we read the rest of the story. no one had ever been able to secure this man, even with a chain for though he had many times been left secured with fetters and chains. He had snapped the chains and broke the fetters to pieces and no one could subdue him Uh, night and day. He was continually shrieking in the tombs among the hills and cutting himself with stones. So again, if, if you have any experience or know someone who self harms this or has mental health issues or depression or anything like that, um, kind of get a picture of that in your head as you're thinking about this young man. Um, And notice how the people around him responded. They didn't quite know what to do with him. Um, So their immediate reaction is to respond with restraint and chains and uh, potentially violence as they're trying to subdue him and master him and like control him. continuing on Uh, catching sight of Jesus from a distance. This man ran and bowed to the ground before him shrieking out in a loud voice what do you want with me jesus son of the most high god for god's sake do not torment me for at this time jesus said come out of the man you foul spirit the next thing that jesus says is he asks him the man what is your name my name the man says is legion for there are many of us and he begged jesus again and again not to send him away out of that country I want to pause here and point out a few a few details and kind of connect some dots that might have made more sense to the people that heard this originally uh, than to us 2,000 years removed and reading it in a different language uh, this guy is hanging out in the tombs and he's clearly suffering from some kind of mental health issue and he says that the demon in the foul spirit within him is named Legion now, Legion is a Roman military unit. So it's a military term, if you're unaware of that. And the region of the and we'll see later in this passage, also referred to as the 10 cities, is the Roman part of of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, There's a couple different regions around this place. And this is where Rome has built their uh, their main colony in this area. The capital is Jerusalem, but to to Roman people coming and going and trading and buying and selling they're in this area that we're currently in, in the story. So connecting these dots of being in a predominantly Roman region of Galilee, this guy says his name is Legion. He's dealing with some mental health issues. He's living in the tombs, uh, unable to control his grief, unable to find help. No one around him is able to uh, help him at all. My my guess would be that this guy is a veteran of some sort, um, and he's probably suffering from what we would call today PTSD, or maybe some kind of survivor's guilt. Since he's in the tombs, maybe he's in the tombs among his his former friends. So this is a pretty pretty uh, stark picture uh, in this passage, uh, and and again drawing on that theme and that through line of of Mark presenting something. Different than the empire that they lived in, some some other option, some other avenue to freedom, some other um, some other path. That path being uh, the way of, of Jesus Christ and setting Jesus as an anti Caesar. This whole situation uh, is where the two definitely come to a head, uh, and the, and this will there'll be different events like this throughout the gospel, um, but this is definitely a big one. So here we have this man who, from what I can at least deduce, I'm not a psychologist, so don't take that um, as like a medical thing, but from what I can deduce from the text, it it seems like the Empire has used him. Uh, He's been broken, and the Empire has just left him. And they don't know what to do with him. The community doesn't know what to do with him. He doesn't know what to do with himself. Uh, They've tried locking him up. They've tried restraining him. I'm sure at this point, all of his relationships with his family, his relationship with this community are broken and with the, uh, the self harm and the seems like sleepless nights, his relationship to himself is possibly broken at this point. So here we have someone who potentially was a part of what made Rome, Rome, Rome is was famous for the military, famous for the military might. Uh, They were the most powerful army of their day. Uh, Here we have the after effects of that. And then things get a little weird and I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have an explanation for this next part. I have no idea what it means. Uh, There are plenty of people who have deduced and come up with some explanations. Um, But for the purposes of of what we're talking about today. I'll read it um, and you can go look that up if you get curious. So there was near Jesus and this man as they're talking, a large drove of pigs, a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside. And the spirits, the demons, or, or whatever is inside this man, begged Jesus, send us into the pigs so that we can take possession of them. And Jesus gave them leave. He let them do that. So they came out of the man and went into the pigs and the herd of pigs, about 2000 of them rushed down the slope and into the sea and drowned. And the men who tended the pigs ran away and told the rest of the town what had happened and told everybody that they knew this, this Jesus dude just did this thing and all my pigs are gone. And the people, a crowd of people came to see what was going on. And when they came to Jesus, they found the possessed man sitting there, clothed and cleaned up in his right mind, the man who had been known as Legion and they were awestruck. Then those who had seen it related to them again, what had happened to the possessed man and and what had happened with the pigs. And so they asked Jesus to leave. And this particular, like the crowd reacting in a way of just asking him to leave doesn't happen every time Jesus performs a miracle, but it's often where people around the situation can't handle it. This man has been restored to himself. He's been restored to God, and he could potentially be restored to his community now that he um, is seemingly over whatever whatever things were plaguing him. Things are changing rapidly for this young man, uh, which means that things are going to change rapidly for the people around him. And in this process of this change happening, some people experience the loss of income those pigs uh carried value and there's two thousand of them and now they're gone uh and the community doesn't know what to do with that it's it's just too much Uh, and that kind of restoration when restoration comes at a cost and maybe the restoration of someone else that isn't you comes at a cost that could be challenging Uh, it could be frightening and could put you in a potentially stressful situation so while the reaction, and hindsight, well, why would you ask Jesus to leave? Jesus is supposed to be this cool guy. It's very understandable, and it's it's good to put yourself in the place of the people within the story uh, to kind of better understand what their reactions are. So Jesus doesn't fight them. He, he does leave. And as Jesus is getting into the boat, the possessed man or the guy who's formerly possessed begs him to let him stay with him. But Jesus refuses. He tells him to go back to your home. Go back to your own people and tell them all that the Lord has done for you and how he took pity on you. So the man went and began to proclaim in the district of the 10 towns all that Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. So this man had had his life fundamentally changed by this this Jesus guy. He just came out of nowhere, and he wants to know more about him, and he wants to know more about what he's teaching and what he's all about, and Jesus' response to this request is, I think, uh, very important and very telling of, of the kind of thing Jesus is trying to build and the kind of thing, the kind of movement Jesus was trying to start. He tells the man to stay where he is, stay in his town, stay in his community, and tell everyone how he had been restored, how his relationship to God and to his neighbors and his relationship to himself has been changed forever. That's the message that Jesus wants to send. All of these relationships can be made whole. And remember, these are relationships that were broken by the empire, by the Roman empire. Um, These are relationships that, you know, if you spend any time in a city in America, um, often you will see veterans um, that are houseless and have nowhere to go. Um, These kind of scenes that we see here are not, uh, while it is an ancient story, two thousand years old, these are situations that we're seeing today. Still, the machine of the military and the machine of empire can chew people up and spit them out, and totally destroy them. And Jesus's message then, in that situation, in this situation now, is that there there is a possibility for those relationships to be restored. And here he does it in a miracle. Uh, and this point, Jesus cast out a demon, but I I fully believe that in these situations, uh, God would like to use us in these situations. But to make that step, to make that inroads in those situations, whether it's uh, specifically with veterans or not, we have to name that brokenness before before we can fix it. And that's a key part of this story. In this man's situation, no one wanted to acknowledge what had happened to him. Uh, They tried to subdue him. They tried to chain him down. But no one was willing to acknowledge what was going on with him. Or what had happened to him. And when Jesus steps in to help this guy, the first step that Jesus takes is to name the brokenness and he has the man named the brokenness jesus doesn't try to impart some kind of diagnosis on him and he allows the man to step forward this is what's wrong with me this is what's going on i am legion i am in the you know connecting the dots again i'm a broken piece of this machine and and no one knows what to do with me and i don't know what to do with myself There's no uh, quick and easy way to deal with the fallout of these situations, whether it's veterans or other situations we're seeing around us today with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and with uh, indigenous tribes fighting for sovereignty, uh, with climate change, with COVID, with all of the things going on in our world. um, There's no quick and easy way to fix these things. You have to name the brokenness before you can even start fixing it. this past summer we saw um, a lot of people naming problems in our society as they've done for centuries Uh, and specifically this past summer in regards to institutional racism here in the united states Uh, as a black man uh, this is a obviously an issue that's near and dear to my heart because it's literally a point of survival in some instances Um, but as these things are brought to the forefront as these things are named. Uh, these these areas of brokenness are named. There's always going to be pushback. There's going to be people unwilling to name the problem or people whose solution to the problem is violence. They want to subdue the problem, uh, either the problem or they want to attack the people who are naming the problem. Change in restoration can mean that some people might lose something in the process, as we saw with the pig farmers. You know, this this man will be restored to their community, but they've lost two thousand pigs in the process. For restoration to happen in a community, uh, specifically around racial justice, there might be some losses that need to happen to restore people that are not you to the community that you're part of, and that could takes cause fear and stress. So fear takes over and people become unwilling to join in the restoration that's taking place right in front of them. But this is a key part of the Jesus story and a key part of the Jesus message. Uh, And I think it's, even though it's in this story that involves miracles and demons and exercise and, uh, exorcisms and, uh, Things that most people don't really believe nowadays. I think it's important to look through that and see what the key point is. And the the key point and the key message of Jesus is that we need to rethink these relationships Uh, our relationship to God, our relationship to each other as a community, as a neighborhood, as a country, uh, and our relationship to ourselves. And what Jesus is telling, was saying then and is telling us now is that. God wants all of that restored. All of that is connected. Uh, How we view ourselves, how we view our community, how we view God is all connected. All of that needs to be restored. And That's it for this uh, passage, pericope uh, 3 Mark 5 through 6. Uh, Because of the way I'm doing this podcast, I'm only focusing on one lesson from the passage whole passage uh usually two chapters long specifically in this one especially specifically especially you get the idea i encourage you to read the rest of the passage on your own i want you to take a look at each miracle and see how uh restoration is involved in each of those Uh, restoration of the person involved or the families involved or the group of people involved try to see how their relationships to themselves uh, to the community around them and to God, how those are restored by the miracle, by this mysterious thing that takes place that Jesus initiates. Feel free to reach out with questions uh, from this lesson or podcast uh, and or the passage in total. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is Barnabas Prime. If you're on Anchor, uh, you can leave a voice message. Thank you for joining me today. Blessings and peace to you.